Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. Okay, so imagine you are a member of a worker-owned publishing collective. You and your comrades make a tidy income, split equally. Your motto is, books for a better world. Some of your publications include titles like Solidarity from the Underground, History and Class Consciousness, Let's Rethink Anarchy, and Damn You, Cinderella, a Feminist Rereading. Then, one day in 2018, a lawyer walks into your bookshop in Athens. This lawyer, it's best we don't say what her name is. She found an envelope outside her office door here in Athens. In the envelope was a manuscript, enclosed with a note. This book is coming from a man who doesn't exist. No one knows where he is. That man who doesn't exist? Vasilis Paliokostas. And he'd signed it in a very specific way. Paliokostas had left a palm print, authorizing her to take the necessary actions to publish it. So the lawyer had come to them and said, read it, see if you want to publish it. Personally, I was impressed. I was impressed that the book was extremely well written, but somehow the authenticity of the text had to be checked. But once Kostas Legakis and his colleagues at the Collective Publishing House started reviewing the details, the text is so obviously genuine. No other person could know so many details. It's just impossible. In the book, Paleokostas talks about the imprisonments, about the escapes, about everything he's done in his life. And we also learn the ideology of Paleokostas, so to speak, his morals, of the so-called ethical robbery. The Greek edition has sold tens of thousands of copies, 
but there are only a couple hundred in English, and we got our hands on one of them. This dude definitely thought he was being funny, calling it a normal life. Because the book is as over the top as you think it is. And while, of course, you can't believe everything Vasilis wrote, he takes us behind the scenes of every job and wild escape he pulled off, interspersed with all these fever dream sequences and tangents about society and his life philosophy. He even wrote dialogue like he was screenwriting his own biopic. So, of course, we got an actor to recreate all of it. At that moment, a guard appeared from the corner of the wall, running towards me, machine gun in hand, shouting, Freeze! Freeze! I'm Miles Gray. From iHeartMedia and Kaleidoscope, this is The Good Thief. Chapter 1. Gamble on Yourself. Where we last left our anti-hero, it was early 1991, and Vasilis Paleokostas was still new to crime. He'd gotten caught trying to break his big brother Nikos out of prison, but he went down for a lot more than that. The cops charged our Robin Hood with a string of robberies that he swore up and down that he had nothing to do with. As he languished in a jail cell awaiting trial, he heard that the police's case against him was weak. There was a good chance that he'd be let out. But for Vasilis, it was a matter of morality. As he puts it in his memoir, he simply could not and would not participate in what he called a devious process. As far as he was concerned, the justice system was stacked against him. I had a sacred duty to follow my personal instinct concerning my own freedom, which was the cornerstone of my moral and conscientious existence. I wished to remain free, and I had no intention of negotiating or handing my rights to anyone without a fight. And so he starts planning his escape, which at first is just a matter of sitting back and observing the rhythm of prison life, collecting information on anything that could prove useful watching how the guards move and change shifts at their posts. There's a holiday coming up, and he knows the guards will be short-staffed and distracted, so he works quickly to come up with a plan. In the B-wing of the prison, he's got a guy, a fellow inmate, a long-term, who is at the end of his sentence. He goes to see the guy for a coffee and a chat in his cell, and while they're sitting there, Vasilis notices the man has a bucket stashed under his bed. He asks the old-timer where he got it. He tells Vasilis he can get him one, to which Vasilis says, I don't need the bucket, just its handle. He said, what are you up to, kid? Looking at me cheekily. Be careful, the prison is full of snitches. I know, that's why I'm talking to you. He tells the old-timer he's going to need at least five of those buckets and some bandages. Then he approaches a cellmate, asks him if he can keep a secret and hands the guy a razor, tells him to start cutting up bed sheets as quietly as possible so as not to wake their other cellies. Vasilis also starts keeping track of supplies he may need in the event that he pulls this off, because in all likelihood, he won't be unscathed. Before long, he gets his hands on a stash of gauze from the prison pharmacy. On the holiday, Vasilis looks for a quiet place to assemble his kit. He hides everything in one of his buckets, 
and slips into a shower stall. There he bends the metal hooks into V-shapes, curling the ends to make double hooks. Then with the bed sheet, he lashes them together. I tied three sheet strips around the shower head pipe and wove a nice rope. Then I tied the strings together, placing the hook at their end. I bandaged my ankles, then my knees, then my elbows, and finally, my wrists. Then, he slips a tracksuit over all that padding. The tracksuit was out of season, but there was no better way to cover all those bandages. Ready as he'll ever be, Vasily stuffs the DIY grappling hook into the bucket and heads out to the prison yard where there's an impromptu soccer game underway. Real casual-like, he flips over the bucket and cops a squat, pretending to just take a load off and watch the action. He notices the old-timer and his cellmate sharing a cigarette. He thinks to himself, they've got front-row seats to watch the escape act. The plan is to make a move when the bell rings to call the inmates back inside. Vasilis eyes the guards. As he predicted, one of the guard posts is empty. The bell rings and there are three dudes standing in his way. But he can't wait. He grabs his kit and walks straight at them, screaming. Stand aside! I'm breaking out! That's literally what it says in the book. (laughs) Anyway, the dudes get out of his way. He makes it to the yard's outer wall and lassos his makeshift grappling hook into the air. The rope had gotten wet in the shower and its weight prevented the hook from reaching as high as I wanted. It latched onto the concertina razor wire. Vasilis knows he has a split second to make a decision. It's not ideal. That rope isn't where it should be. But he just goes for it, hoists himself up, and as he nears the top of the wall, he has to grab hold of the barbed wire. Razors gouge his palms. Blood pours out. But there's no time to second-guess this escape. He squeezes his hands around the wire. The blades dig into his palms as his hands take the brunt of his body weight. Somehow, he pulls himself up and swings his legs over. Hey, where are you going? Screamed the guard. You'll see, I answered before jumping off the edge. And then he free falls 15 feet onto the concrete below. Bloodied, but alive. He's made it over the wall, but as he looks back, he realizes he's square into the sights of the guard's machine gun. But Vasilis doesn't think. He just turns tail and starts sprinting. Somehow, some way, the guy doesn't get shot. As sirens blare, Vasilis just trots his way into the sunset, literally. He makes it to a quiet fishing cove on the crystal clear water of the Aegean Sea, where a few people are enjoying an evening swim. He just plays it off like he's merely jogging. And then, when no one's looking, he takes cover in some overgrown brush and hides out till dark. I found myself sitting on a rock high above the city, fishing boats and sailboats crisscrossing the water, moving like fireflies. Just a few hours ago, Vasilis Paleocostas was in prison. It had been the 25-year-old's first time behind bars, trapped in a hot, concrete wasteland. But now, he inhales the salty air as he washes the dried rivulets of blood off his arms. He stares up at the stars, and for the very first time, he understands just how fragile freedom can be. Where would I be if I hadn't taken a risk? 
in a small chamber that reeked of death. For a fugitive, freedom is not an abstract concept. Freedom requires courage. In that moment, as he watches the boats pass and revels in the quiet, Vasilis promises himself he won't go back to prison. He will never go back. According to Vasilis, he had entered prison as a, quote, law-abiding citizen. He had never robbed a bank or broken down a door or stolen a single cent. But now, he was a fugitive. And from this day forward, he'd spend the rest of his life on the run. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Okay. I love Walker Hayes. He's amazing. He's so fun. Such a great entertainer. And that's why I'm so excited that JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. The Walker Hayes for JCPenney collection is an upbeat playlist of instant classics with laid-back appeal and down-home vibes. As a dad of seven kids, he knows exactly what fathers want and need when it comes to their style. This collection reflects his casually cool styles with outdoor-inspired details and versatile colors. Perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th, just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Chapter 2. The Romantic Rebel. Reading Vasilis's book, you start to get a sense of how all the pieces of the Paleocostas puzzle work together. From his rough upbringing in the mountains, the reverence he had for the clefts, his identity as a Greek ethnic minority himself. But what his writing really lays out is just how carefully he draws his own lines between right and wrong. Life taught me to walk a tightrope concerning my own double nature, being at the same time an attacker aiming to dismantle the system, and a romantic rebel who refuses to dismantle his own character in a battle between means and ends, who justifies whom. It's easy to see how Vasilis grew up in this perfect cocktail for being radicalized. He grew up in extreme isolation, high poverty, a lack of services, and in official spheres, he witnessed a culture of corruption. So, it makes sense that one of the things you hear in Vasilis' stories is that he is constantly weighing out 
both for us and for himself, who are the real criminals in a corrupt society? But Vasilis is also very much a product of his particular generation. When we were making this series, our producers in Greece kept taking us back, back to the Greece of Vasilis's childhood. Here's Christina. It's the circumstances, right? In 1967, one year after Vasilis was born, there was a coup where Greek colonels overthrew the government. The military regime in Greece has largely been the creation of one man, this man, Prime Minister George Papadopoulos. The junta, which was a group of ultra-nationalist colonels, drive their tanks onto the streets of Athens and point them at the royal palace and in government buildings, taking control, essentially, of the country. These colonels enforced a far-right, hyper-nationalist, hyper-religious dictatorship. Martial law is implemented, and, and free speech disappears. Suddenly, it's illegal to listen to the Beatles and to read Tolstoy. Women are barred from wearing miniskirts. Men are banned from growing beards or, or long hair. Labor unions become illegal. Church attendance becomes mandatory, and thousands of dissidents are beaten and imprisoned and, and tortured and exiled to islands in the Aegean. And, and by the end of the junta's rule, student protests end with dozens being killed by the army and the police. This junta ruled for the first eight years of Vasilis' life, but despite all the repression, the colonels had a lot of support where he was growing up. Their appeals to old-fashioned values won people's admiration, and, and the new rulers also paid outsized attention to rural regions, cancelling all loans held by farmers, increasing agricultural pensions, and throwing money at small rural schools. But despite this local atmosphere of support, a young Vasilis came to hate the regime, which collapsed in, in 1974. The period of the junta, the seven years, was really terrible. It was very miserable for a lot of Greeks. And it was a police state. That's Ambassador Tom Miller. He served as the U.S. ambassador to Greece in the early 2000s and has spent decades working there and in the Balkans. He told us that even though many years have passed, collective trauma from the junta still lingers. The memory is still fresh in people's mind. It passes down from generation to generation. It's kind of a symbol of the perception of many Greeks that they have of fighting against all odds, fighting against the oppressor. The junta created what Miller describes as a reflexive antipathy toward the state. And in many parts of Greece, that antipathy stoked a red-hot distrust of the police, who had spent years propping up the junta and doing its bidding. In Vasilis's memoir, he often compares the police to the junta. In his opinion, the junta never left. They just traded in their uniforms for police badges and business suits. As he writes, The transitional government never bothered to stamp out the masked fascism. On the contrary, seizing power, they pinned up a bright sign that said democracy. Everything else remained the same. Or, to put it another way, Therefore, democracy is a bankrupt sham, reheated shit on a luxurious porcelain plate. Scandals, political favors, bribes, those were only a few of their great weaknesses. Affluent families knew how to give favors, and in return, 
politicians wrote laws to protect them. Now, to be clear, the vast majority of Greeks who grew up poor and oppressed by the junta did not become bank robbers. Vasilis chose his life of crime. But here's the secret. According to sociologists, Robin Hood figures or social bandits always rise to fame during periods of deep inequality, when corruption feels rampant, when authority figures are absent or abusive. Time and again, history has shown that these conditions will always compel somebody to stand up and resist. The Great Depression made Bonnie and Clyde. The Mexican Revolution made Pancho Villa. And all these things happening in Greece made Vasilis Paleocostas. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Okay. I love Walker Hayes. He's amazing. He's so fun. Such a great entertainer. And that's why I'm so excited that JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. The Walker Hayes for JCPenney collection is an upbeat playlist of instant classics with laid-back appeal and down-home vibes. As a dad of seven kids, he knows exactly what fathers want and need when it comes to their style. This collection reflects his casually cool styles with outdoor-inspired details and versatile colors. Perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th, just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Chapter 3. Getting the band back together. One, two, three, four. Free, but very much a wanted man, Vasilis Paleocostas was on the run. Still in his bloody tracksuit, there was nothing to do but start walking. He came upon a house where he helped himself to a pair of Bermuda shorts and a t-shirt that were drying on the clothesline, just hanging there. As he wrote, as if they were waiting for me. And he kept it moving, breaking into a farmhouse the next day. In typical Robin Hood fashion, he felt conflicted. I broke into a farmhouse whose residents were away. I found some money. It was the first and hopefully the last time I entered someone's home uninvited out of necessity. I dreaded the feeling because I had always considered homes sacred places, a kind of personal asylum. 
That's why I wrote a short letter to its owners explaining that I really needed the money I took from them and begging them to empathize. If I had entered a villa, I wouldn't have done that. But a humble shelter and a guarded palace are two different things. He used the money for a ticket on the first train headed for Athens, where his old pal, the artist, Costa Samaras, happened to be. Turned out, his mentor was in prison, and he too was planning to make a break for it. But the artist's plan was a little more involved than jumping a fence. Samaras was scheduled to appear in court back in his hometown of Trikala, 200 miles north of Athens. The authorities planned to transport him in a police van equipped with a jail cell, or what he called a cage in the back. He told us all about it when we interviewed him. I learned that the large cages that were used on the route from Athens to Corfu had floors of plastic, and under the plastic surface there was plywood. Plastic and plywood were all that separated him from freedom. So Samaras hatched a plan. The transport trip to Trikala included a multi-day layover in a nearby port city, where he'd be held at a local prison. In the old prison, there was a carpentry workshop on the ground floor, um, where some prisoners worked making wood carvings and such. From some acquaintances, I got a couple of tools, a saw, a saw blade, and a chisel. While on the road, Samaras was going to saw his way to freedom. When we started driving, I took out the tools. I started to carve the wood. Within three hours, Samaras cut out a hole in the bottom of his cage. When I was done with it, you could see straight out onto the road below. But he wasn't about to jump out of a moving vehicle. So he waited for the police to park. I got out from under, crawled a little, and uh, went out on the road. I walked normally, as if nothing was happening. Nobody noticed a thing. Vasilis had escaped from Halkida prison a month before by jumping the wall. So he and I agreed that he would be waiting for me. Back together, fugitives from the law, ready for their next big act. It was the fall of 1991. Vasilis, Samaras, and Nikos had all broken out of prison, and they were all hungry for money. That's how they started robbing banks. First, in Ioannina. And then, well, everywhere. Just traveling from town to town, planning and executing bank robberies. They were making good money, but they weren't getting rich. The trio stole a couple thousand dollars here, another thousand there. It was never enough to live off of, and certainly not enough to just give away, that's for sure. So after a spree of minor heists, Vasilis and his merry men set their sights on something bigger, on Kalambaka. We decided to do something as big as we could. Kalambaka is an otherworldly place. A short drive from Trikala, the town is hugged by towering sandstone pinnacles. On the cliff's edge are orthodox monasteries. The robbers plan to sin in their shadows. Vasilis didn't feel bad about it. 
He figured any money he stole would return to the bank once he and his pals started spending it. No matter how many banks you rob, eventually the money will go right back to the banks. They're the only ones that never lose. They were just borrowing the money. It's the perfect victimless crime. Vasilis had adopted a Gandhi quote to justify his actions. Poverty is the worst form of violence. So maybe redistributing this money was actually a solve for a broken society. Plus, the men were always careful. They planned each heist precisely to avoid hurting anyone. They carried automatic weapons, sure. But as Samaras told us, the whole point was to scare people into giving them the cash. It's all about psychology. Uh, If you go into a bank to do something illegal, you have to look convincing. And there will rarely be a reaction unless someone wants to play the hero. We had prepared a lot in advance to avoid any violence. So you believe that there were no casualties? Victims in this sense? No. Look, I don't have a ton of sympathy for bank CEOs. But at the end of the day, is there really such a thing as a victimless crime? It might not be for the dude holding the gun to say. When we pressed Samaras on this, he conceded some ground, but only a little. Someone is a victim, but it's the least hurt that could be done. The way he sees it, they were trying to do the least harm they could. But sometimes, a little suffering is just the cost of doing business. If Costa Samaras feels bad about any of this, well, he didn't show it. When we asked him, can there be a crime without a victim, he started to wax philosophical and deflect blame. All of this taps into something bigger. In 2010, there was a domino effect in the banking system where the economies collapsed because the banks were playing games at the expense of the people. If this is not a crime against the many, what is? I will not sit down and count the examples. There is no such thing as trying to keep a balance of doing the least harm possible. The question should be, who commits a crime and whose crime is greater? This is the exact sentiment Christina kept reminding me about. That from the late 1960s era of the junta through today, for many like Vasilis, the Greek state doesn't play fair. The effects of the 2010 banking crisis that Samaras is talking about still plague Greece to this day. It led to an extreme austerity plan and a massive loss of income. The whole thing rose to a scale of a humanitarian crisis. And of course, it's the common people who suffer. In his book, Vasilis likens it to a relentless war of haves and have-nots. On one hand, the lords, who had reaped the gains of a democratic fiction to solidify their authority, usurping this country's wealth. On the other hand, young men, who refused to accept misery as a way of life and refused to tolerate authority's boot pressing on their necks. When the unjust beast arises in front of you, you must take up arms. Chapter 4 
Escaping Kalambaka. The Kalambaka heist, the one I told you about in the very first episode where they hit the National Bank, that was June 1992. Open the safe. I don't have the key. Who has the key? The manager. The brothers filled up a few canvas bags with cash. And then, when time's up, they hit it. The police tried stopping the getaway by emptying their guns, but the trio just laughed it off. The robbery went off without a hitch, and now they were crammed inside a small stolen car, speeding away from the scene of the crime. Samaras told us the rest. We took the road north, reached uh, where the other getaway car was, changed car, changed clothes. But after they got back on the road, Nico sees this flash of red and blue lights. We crossed two police cars. The road is windy and you don't have good visibility behind you. For a moment, Nikos thought that the police had stopped. The sight of the police cruiser spooks them. What if the police are blocking the road ahead? Nikos calls an audible. As Vasilis once put it, Nikos knew all the country's freeways, roads, dirt roads, and paths like Google Earth was planted in his mind before it was even invented. So he cuts the wheel and veers onto a winding mountain road. We took a dirt road and went up the Pindus to the mountain range. We turned on the radio. Within five minutes of the robbery, they had announced it on the radio from Trikala. Nikos floors it. The tires kick up dust as the car drives higher. As they turn, the road reveals an immaculate stone building surrounded by gardens. We passed in front of the Vituma Monastery. The monastery was on one side of the dirt road. There was a nun outside. She saw our car. Two nuns tending to their flower beds stare at the three men stuffed inside a tiny sedan tearing up the mountain. Nikos, respectfully, presses the brake for a second. He doesn't want to disturb the nuns with a cloud of dust, but as he accelerates up the slope, the road fades. Rocks scrape the undercarriage, and the car is swallowed by a dark chestnut forest. The road ended, um, so we left the car and covered it with some branches. We divided the weapons and continued on foot. It's August. The sun is beating down, and the men have no food, no water. But they also have no choice. They have to hide in the mountains. Before they part ways, they split the loot. But as they begin to count the spoils... Malaka Vasiline, 125 εκατομμύρια δραχμές. They're speechless. It's 125 million drachmas, the equivalent of about 1.4 million U.S. dollars. They've just pulled off the biggest bank robbery in Greek history. But instead of being able to relax, they're trapped in those mountains, climbing higher and higher. For the brothers, there's a certain romance to it, feasting at cherry orchards, spending nights in caves. But there's little to eat. 
and they're famished. At one point, almost like a fever dream, Vasilis finds himself staring into the eyes of a doe, just to skip away from his cave on a nearby rock. And though he's armed, he won't point a gun at the creature. With our pursuers on our tail, we almost forgot we were in an ecosystem of unparalleled beauty. The little doe's eyes seemed stuck on us. How can you point a gun against this living miracle of nature? We preferred to starve. They had no qualms about robbing a bank, but they couldn't take an innocent deer's life. After days of not eating, the men were struggling. The roads were blocked and they knew they couldn't stay up there for long. So Nikos and Vasilis decided to try something bold. They descended the mountain and made their way to a phone. And Nikos called the cops. Like they called the cops on themselves. He just straight up called up the Tricola police and asked to talk to the chief. Vasilis gives us the dialogue. Tell him Paleo Costas is asking for him. Nikos Paleo Costas. Yes, who is it? Mr. Grab It All. I called to tell you to call off your people. Get your people off the mountain. You fucked them over enough already. Bye. Um, and according to Vasilis, the ploy works. The cops abandon the roadblocks, and two weeks later, the trio climbs back into the mountains to get their stashed loot. Shortly after, the three bandits will hightail it out of the country, going their separate ways. But true freedom always requires more money. Real money. And Vasilis Paleocostas was about to make the rich pay. Next time on The Good Thief. The idea of kidnapping a businessman for ransom kept drifting through my mind. I lived in a car for four days. They treated me humanely above all. He knows how to hide. He may have changed his face, his fingerprints. You lads are in luck. You've got Paleo Costas. The Good Thief is a Kaleidoscope production in partnership with iHeart Podcasts. I'm Miles Gray. Our executive producers are Mangesh Hatikadur, Kostas Linos, Oz Wallishin, and Kate Osborne. From iHeart, executive producers are Katrina Norvell and Nikki Etor. Our partners at the Greek Podcast Project are executive producer Daphne Karnizis, field producers Christina Pilioni and George Miadis, and sound designer Nikos Glavanitis who edited and mixed the episode and provided the English voice of Costa Samaras. Mary Phillips Sandy is our supervising producer. Shane McKeon is our producer. The show is written and researched by Lucas Riley. Fact-checking by Danya Suleiman. Sound design and final mix by Pran Bandy. This episode featured the voice of Yorgos Karamijos. Our theme song is by Imam Baldi, with additional music by Bati. Finally, thanks to Will Pearson, Connell Byrne, Bob Pittman, and John Marinopoulos. Amen. Amen. Amen.
Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details.